Welcome to Making Connections, a WMNT series on diversifying our future. Hello there, and welcome to Mountain Talk. I'm your host, Rachel Geringer. In this episode, we bring you stories focusing on people who believe in the possibility of agriculture to become part of the solution to the coal economy's decline in central Appalachia. First, we'll hear WMMT's own Jim Webb interviewing Jonathan Webb from App Harvest about their plans to build large-scale, high-tech agricultural greenhouses on reclaimed mining sites across southeastern Kentucky. Webb describes 40-acre greenhouses in the Netherlands that inspired his work and some of the challenges to engineering giant buildings on the sinking earth of a former mountaintop removal site in Pike County, Kentucky. And we are delighted today here to have our guest on The Attitude, Jonathan Webb, founder and CEO of uh, App Harvest. Jonathan, thank you for uh, joining us here on WMMT. Well, howdy, Jim. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate appreciate you taking the time to have me out here today. Yeah, well... uh, I just I've missed you at all the family reunions. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know how uh, I don't know how we've gone all these years, Jim. But <laughs> you know your 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 name's legendary out here, so oh, it's, yeah. it's finally good to meet my long lost cousin. That's right, or yeah. uncle. I'm not quite sure, but yeah. <laughs> probably yeah. Well, all right, uh, you would say something about this white white beard. Uh, all right, but you are are a Kentuckian. Yes, sir. And yes, sir. Uh, I think. As I understand, it's one of the reasons why you're you have uh, embarked upon this ambitious project. Well, it uh, you know I I think for folks that are that are from our state, uh, whether from from the central part or the eastern part, there there's definitely uh, a strong sense of 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 being from this area. And for me, when I when I left the state, uh, kind of that that grew more over time. So I, I was out of our state for for roughly 10 years and and just the the and the, the 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 something wants to bring you back here. And so I, I knew when I left that I was I was going to come back and and I think uh you know the, for me what what we're doing here in, in in Pike Pike County was was a perfect opportunity to to get back uh and and get back into the eastern part of our state where I did not grow up in and, and grew up in the central part uh over in Lexington and and it's uh, it's it's good to be back in Kentucky. It's mm-hmm. good to be back in Kentucky. Well, tell us a little bit about uh, your project and what has brought you back here. Yeah, sure. So, um, so my background a little bit. Uh, you know, I, I've said th- throughout the process. I was telling you earlier that uh, I, I went to undergrad at the University of Kentucky, and when I got out of school, uh, had had multiple angles on on what I was going to do, and and just given you know the nature of our state. Uh, there, there was uh, some opportunity to potentially go into coal sales. Uh, did not pursue that at the time, and, and didn't really didn't really work out. And ended up uh, moving to New York uh, and, and went into solar development, and was a part of uh, some of the largest solar projects that have been built in the uh, southeastern part of the U.S. So they're down in Georgia. We built them, built them on Army, and I was a part of projects that were built on Army installations. So about 250 acre projects a piece down in Georgia. And that that from so went from New York to D.C. Spent about uh, spent about six years in D.C. And uh, somebody who was in that world of of large scale sustainable project development, um, you know, for me it, it was it was a little challenging being in that community and kind of hearing folks, especially in D.C. and in New York. Uh, that, that that are strong uh, proponents of of that cause, but then yet never really put foot on the ground 
in what we would call the heart of coal country. And so as that continued on, um, knew that I really wanted to come back to Kentucky, but specifically the eastern part of our state. And especially since, you know, while I was gone, you got to think about 10 years ago, while I was gone, that's when we started to see that, you know, the, the decline of coal. And obviously it wasn't just wind and solar. I mean, natural gas is really, you know, I guess about picked up about half of the market share. But what was it? We might have been at 70 percent of the, the, the uh, U.S. electricity market came from from coal. And now we're down to, I think, roughly 30 percent. And and so for my my take with folks in the environmental and sustainable community was you've got extremely bright individuals, some of the most well-funded groups in in the coasts, whether it be L.A., San Francisco, New York, D.C. Um, how how do we take those folks and get them to invest in this region, and and create you know create green collar jobs, and and so you know solar. The thing is with solar, it's a short term job creator. It's one of the it's one of the number one job creators in the U.S. year over year. So the last couple of years, it's been one of the number one job creators. But those are all construction jobs on the front end. And after you build a solar farm, I mean, you got a couple folks maintaining it, but really, you don't have it. Kind of runs itself. Uh, so it's not a real long term job creator. Uh, but high tech ag. So kind of kind of looked and paid attention to what's going on in agriculture. Uh, and, and we mentioned Wendell Berry earlier. I, I'd love to hear what love to hear what Wendell thinks about high tech ag. I don't know he'd be too keen one way or the other, but uh, you know, it'd be interesting to hear what he has to say. Uh, but I think similar to what happened about ten to fifteen years ago, where you had efficiencies of technology, where the the efficiency of the technology went up and the price to build came down with wind and solar, and obviously there was government subsidies, but really the technology i mean the price to build for solar there was a couple years there where where it dropped like the price to put a solar panel in dropped about 200% i mean it was rapidly dropping uh you're seeing that in high tech these large high tech ag these large greenhouses where the price to build a large greenhouse has come down not not as rapid as is in the energy space but price to build has come down and 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 the efficiency has gone up to where your what your production volume is per acre. It's it, you're getting pretty tremendous. So when I was in D.C., it was like okay, I, the the election turned. So the last election what, was that uh, 2016. Yeah, 2016. Uh, obviously, a lot of hubbubaloo nationally around that. Uh, I was in uh, <laughs> yeah, I was in a uh, <clears throat> I was in a setting. I got invited. Uh, to to go to this conference that was taking place when the ele- night of the election, and you know I came from that s- sustainable world of of building projects, and and uh, majority of all the people there were certainly on the opposite side of the camp on how the how the cards played out that night, and frankly there were folks bawling, crying, and and everything else, and for me though. I've kind of always, Jim, we talked, you mentioned, you know, political views. I've always just taken it down the middle. It's kind of best idea wins. Don't care where you're from or what, you know, what the idea. It's just, and look, I don't, I mean, best idea, that's kind of opinion, right? Too. It's even hard to figure out what the best idea is. But for me, I definitely was not emotional that night. Uh, one way or the other, I just think the the message that that the core message that that I think everybody, you know, could could agree upon is, I and especially being in DC and people keep doing and a lot of my friends in DC doing really well for themselves but the middle part of our country it's kind of just you know we're puttering out 
and especially in this area of the country. You talk about the heart of coal country, and you talk especially southeastern Kentucky and the coal fields. Um, you know, people can take an argument one way or the other on coal, and I'm going to stay out of that. I don't, you know, that let let other people have their opinions. But regardless of what the opinion is, I mean, coal mining is not easy. And I think folks, you know, that have been in the coal industry, uh, some I would argue and have continued to argue some of the hardest working, I, I would believe, men and women that we have in our country. And so people time and again, especially in D.C., will say, oh, well, coal powered the country. And I mean, I would make the argument the people of the eastern part of our state is what, what really powered the country. And so, you know, how do we harness that, right? And 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 I you know I don't know if any of us really have an answer, but hope maybe high tech ag is something that we can do here in Eastern Kentucky, uh, maybe a couple other industries. But you know, bringing those sustainable type stakeholders into the region, trying to figure out how do we work, you know, side by side with folks here instead of constantly kind of throwing throwing rocks back and forth on on what we disagree about. Try to find something we do agree about, and and so for for this with high tech ag with the greenhouses. I mean, we've had tremendous support on both sides of the aisle, um, and and I think we've made just a really, really simple case, which is, you know, let's just uh, let's build greenhouses and 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 work. And and I and and I don't know how that argument. I look, I'm a little, I'm I'm a little younger, Jim, and I'm not sure how how things have played out over the past fifteen, twenty years. But I can tell you, you know, we've been. I thoroughly impressed with just the amount of support in Eastern Kentucky. Um, and I, I was a little weary myself, honestly. I mean, I'm in DC here. I am coming into Eastern Kentucky. I live in Harold, Kentucky now. I told you that. Uh, but, but the, the support's just tremendous. And I think we have to figure out. So my take would be, and, and as I've talked and communicated with folks back in DC, like it now is the time to reimagine, reinvest and rebuild here. Like what what are we going to do now? What are we going to do? But but hopefully high tech ag will be a small piece of that larger picture and hopefully hopefully app harvest we we can be a, a small piece of of you know the next couple decades here but but uh, Well, I think actually people have finally uh, come to the realization that yeah, we can't throw rocks. We've got to uh, uh paddle this boat together otherwise we'll be adrift a forever. So, uh your, how big is the greenhouse? How big are the greenhouses going to be? And and what what are you going to grow in them? And how does it work? Right. So um, so first we'll kind of start with the technology. If anybody you know has got a computer and out there listening, you can you can get on Google and you can you can look up a uh, great National Geographic article. It came out in September of 2017. I think the title of the article is "This Tiny Country Feeds the World." Uh, if you just look at, at kind of the Netherlands in September 2017, you'll, you'll find that article. But uh, the Netherlands is really the world leader in greenhouse technology. Uh, they, they've been doing it for two to three decades. Uh, you go and <clears throat> Jim, I've only been to Europe one time. And so I, I got a one-way ticket to the Netherlands. And I went there and, and met with folks until I could figure out that I had a good partner to come back here with. But uh, when I went over there, I think what thoroughly impressed me was just just the the size of these greenhouses and you walk in and it it is it is heavenly and uh so you got about you know our project in pikeville was slated uh it i think the start was roughly 40 acres under glass we moved down to 32 acres under glass and we're still trying to to re-engineer uh we are on a reclaimed coal mine site up there 
you know, we, given our structure, it is glass. Uh, there is differential settlement on these reclaimed mine sites. We're having trouble engineering, but uh, so I can't get to the exact size in Pikeville because we've had to, you know, really rework this thing. But to give you the size and scope of what we're talking about, we our plan is develop, to develop roughly 32-acre greenhouses under glass. Um uh, <clears throat> In this in this greenhouse, that's huge. It, it's really it's really big, Jim. And and when you and I went in. So the first one I went in, I went to the Netherlands, met with this large construction company there, who's built these things all around the world. And and you really you don't believe it till you get in. But a hydroponic greenhouse, so they're growing in water in, in a water in essence. So you're not in the soil. And then you got these tall vines, so we can grow anything on the vine. So what we would be displacing mainly is tomatoes, bell peppers, cucumbers. Now, what I've tried to say, and I met with uh, I met with Joyce, the farmer's market there in, in Pike County, in Pikeville, and our competition is not local. Very, make that very clear. Our competition is not local. If you go to a food city or if you go to any one of the big grocery chains in the U.S., Walmart, Costco, whatever it is, um, it is what it is, but the supply is mainly coming out of out of Mexico, Southern California, Arizona. And so the way this has played out over the past roughly 10 years, produce imports from Mexico to the U.S. have tripled just in general across the board on every produce. Tomatoes alone, we had about 4 billion pounds of tomatoes that came out of Mexico last year, 4 billion. So if if app harvest and we you know if we have a strategy of 160 acres and we're say we're going to develop that 160 acres depending on the tomato variety if if it's beef steak or tomato on the vine or snacking tomato the snacking tomatoes we get a lower volume but say we got to roughly 100 million pounds of tomatoes that's still a fraction of what is coming out of just one country imported here so so I I've said time and again our competition is not local we want to try to highlight the farmers here and hopefully elevate what they're doing. Uh, our competition is 1,500 miles away across the country and out of the country. So so the goal is, and with high-tech ag, I think what many people are, are kind of starting to see is there's a push at grocers. People want regional supply. People, you know, the, the stuff coming out of Southern California and, and Arizona and Mexico, it's sitting five days on an 18-wheeler. It's being trucked five days across the country on an 18-wheeler. Same reason UPS's World Port is in Louisville. Uh, we are geographically blessed to be able to get to almost 70% of the U.S. population in a day's drive. So the East Coast, Midwest, Southeast, great place for a produce hub. Now, the, the typical challenge with the area has been, you know, seasonal seasonal supply. So you can't grow, you know, mo- mostly year-round here. But with the greenhouses, we can grow 365 days a year. Uh, we we t- have temperature controlled. So if there's a weather pattern coming in, this thing runs on a software system on an iPad where you know, weather patterns coming in, roof closes, humidity controls. Uh, you, you've got the whole thing being – what we do manipulate is the environment, now, what we're not doing is we're not using the harsh chemical pesticides. We're, we're naturally manipulating an environment. So the plant itself, uh, we're just popping that plant on a daily cycle, but we're keeping the, the environment consistent day to day. So for, from a grocer's standpoint, we can get them the same quality produce 365 days a year, the exact same produce, no chemical pesticides. We use 80% less water than open field agriculture. So think about when the when the fields in Arizona, hot field, by the way, the Co- Colorado River is being diverted into Arizona. I mean, you talk about sustainable. 
Like the, our, our produce, our, our, if I'm a big grocer, if I'm one of those top grocers, you know, the, you talk about a house of cards, this industry really is, it's pretty broken. I mean, average American meals traveling 1,500 miles, it's, it's not going to stand up. So uh, non-GMO seeds, 80% less water. Uh, no chemical pesticides, and, and we have that protected control environment. How do we compete on price, Jim? We compete on price because we're not trucking five days. We're trucking one day, uh, and we get greater efficiencies per acre. So we're, we're, we get great efficiencies on, and with the, the technology. So, you know, we're optimistic, but at this point, Jim, I, you know, I appreciate you having me on, but I think people are sick of hearing me talk, and frankly, we, we just got to build and execute. So I think we have a good strategy. Uh, I, I don't think for us competition is not in the region. I've inc- I spoke at more at state university and and I, agriculture department and said you know competition is not here in the region. We encourage other people to do this, um, and hopefully if we're successful and we can build one, two, three of these things, then hopefully other folks in the region maybe not obviously not maybe not this big but maybe a smaller type type facility and and we can kind of be a part of the the new wave of agriculture here and. And so, uh, you know, our team's all in. We got Sydney over here, and, and several folks have been coming in, in and out. But uh, at this point, Jim, it's all about starting construction. So, mm-hmm. so hopefully, sooner rather than later, we can start putting some some shovels in the in the dirt and start starting getting. When steel do you, when do you think that will be? Well, we were hoping uh, it was going to be this week, but uh, we we've hit delays, and it's because of uh, you know you you've lived here your whole life, so you know that, you know, most of the flat land we have in southeast Kentucky is really these reclaimed coal mine sites. And it's already done now. They're, you know, they're there. Uh, but to build on those reclaimed coal mine sites is extremely challenging. You've got the settlement, differential settlement. And and so that, that's that been our biggest hurdle at this point is just getting the right folks at the table. We want to make sure the structure we're building is going to be here for the next two to three de- decades, uh, you know, about a 25-year facility. Um, so it's, we're, we're, we're working as hard as we can, but we, we've definitely hit delays. It's always a problem because that, uh, uh, the earth will, isn't stable after all of those. I mean, you don't want to build a Corvette, uh, museum on top of it and then have a big sinkhole hit. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, uh, you know, we what we do have is we got the best engineers from the region. I think work work been been involved, and we've got some of the best engineers from from outside of the region. And you know, I'm I'm optimistic we're going to come up with a solution to to build these structures on, on the reclaimed mine sites. But I'll be the first to tell you it's been extremely challenging. Um, and and but we're we're not going to let that stop us. So so we have we do have tremendous support, and we, we've had some some big folks step in to date. So so at this point we got we got to just find sites and build. But uh, hopefully we'll we'll get a resolution. I can tell you that the folks in Pikeville, and I've said this time time and again, um, in in Pikeville is just the first area that we went into. We're going to build across Eastern Kentucky. We're actively looking in communities. There are plenty of uh, uh, old strip jobs, right? Yep. So uh, I can see it spreading uh, in a good way, kind of like a, a, a vine, but uh, it is going to be a challenge to find the, the stable land. It, it's going to, it's right now, it's our biggest hurdle. But, uh, you know, I we got, you know, we got good partners, capital to to build the project. So one of the, the high profile investors was the founder of AOL, uh, Steve Case. Um, he was based in DC and kind of heard about what we were doing and met with his folks. And, and so a lot of people, I mean, they, they believe in this, but, 
you know, you, I'm just sure, Jim, you've, you've heard of, heard of ideas that, that come and go. And at this point it, it's execution. So for us, mm-hmm. it's, it's great. We have, uh, we have the plan, but now we, we really need to, we really need to execute on the strategy. And so it's, uh, this is really not, uh, akin to the solar project that, that they're talking about over there, solar power. Or solar. Right. No. So I know those folks, uh, and, and, uh, we, it's two, two completely separate, uh, two completely separate projects up there. Yeah. But, uh, but it's encouraging. I think, you know, we'll, we'll figure it out and we're going to build. I think for us, it's a matter of how quickly are we going to build and how much are we going to build? We're going to build something, but you know, is this really going to scale to the opportunity, you know, what we're talking about, or is it going to be, you know, something pretty big, but, but I do think, you know, app harvest and I've had to message this through throughout the process that, you know, steel and glass on top of a mountain is not app harvest. I mean, the reason I think people even outside of this region believe in what what we're talking about is is if this thing's going to be successful, then really people the the area and the region need to will, will ultimately need to grab hold of it. And I hope that you know once we start and we get going and people see that this is real and we're not just talking about it, uh, that that hopefully you know, communities will kind of, kind of rally around it a little bit. And, and we want to be integrated with, with the community as best as possible, because the only way we're going to be successful with a 25 year operation is if, if the community wants it. Right. And if people, people want to be in the environment. So we're, we're going to try our best to make, uh, make, make a, an interesting work environment for everybody involved. Uh, you know, we've, uh, talked about classes on the nights and weekends and what that would look like, but, um, you know, again, the the only way we're going to be successful is is if uh, if it if it's community driven with uh, with folks in the community that want to see this thing succeed over the long haul. But um, you know, right now, my my goal from a project development standpoint, I mentioned to you, Jim. I think I mentioned it before we got on air here that about the projects in Georgia that that, uh, that, that we, we built. So, I mean, my goal right now is to just get eighteen wheelers bringing steel and glass here and, and try to get the projects built and, and get them get them up and going but i think as we progress jim i'd love to sit down in the years to come and kind of look back as this story unfolds is again you know labor is going to be the lifeblood to this thing and 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 getting folks uh to to help operate these facilities is going to be it's going to be critical um so so our first step is put steel and glass on a mountain but that you know that's not app harvest and that's not why everybody i think is interested in what what we're doing what what people are interested in is is the people of eastern kentucky and and the idea that this can be a part of a a new industry going forward Mm -hmm. are you confident about your water sources we are and so one of the reason is we take water into our own hands we um we we recycle rainwater off the roof and so we have a very large retention pond that will go next to the greenhouse and as as it rains it's uh, the roof is slanted and then both of those uh but the water coming off that roof goes into what is a, a very significant uh water uh retention pond so we we in some cases might be using city water from time to time when we need to but for the most part we're using recycled rainwater mm-hmm. well that's good you know one of the interesting things about you talking about how you reach so much, so many of the markets in the east, at least in the eastern mm-hmm. half of the country, right? Our water is that way too. I mean, Letcher County is the headwaters of, of three rivers: the Big Sandy, uh, the Cumberland, and the North Fork of the Kentucky River. And 
we provide water ultimately to uh, half of the the eastern half of the country in, in a lot of ways and and so i'm uh i'm hoping that a project like this will help steward our water so what do you, what do you jim help me understand what do you, what do you mean i mean obviously we've heard about you know one, one thing or the other here but maybe what what would be uh what what's your opinion on water in the region and where to where to look and what what to look out for well one of the problems is that uh, we have some of the best water in the world but we're ruining it poisoning it and uh um all of this fracking and all of the poisons that we're putting in the water. Uh, I'm afraid that it's going to be hard to find good enough water for a project like this. Well, you know, Jim, you're, uh, you're, you're pointing out something really interesting, and I don't think it is as unique to this region as we might think. I mean, water is – so coming from that, that environmental world, actually, uh, you know, somebody that's befriended throughout this process was uh, – was Boyd Holbrook in Prestonsburg, and Boyd, uh, you know, out there acting all over the place. He was in, I think, uh, he was in Narcos and a couple other shows. But Boyd is uh, something we kind of hit it off on was uh, he's writing uh, original screenplay uh, called The Thirst, which is about, uh, I don't know, maybe a couple decades out of, of water being the new gold. And, 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 and frankly, a lot of folks in the environmental community have already been talking about this, which is, you know, you look, and when I said when Colorado River is being diverted into Arizona, I mean, that, it, that's it. I mean, that, this is, that, that is a resource that, that we, you know, obviously we can't do without. And it's in jeopardy all over, not just the country and the world, the world. So it's really, you know, whatever water problems are, are unique to, or we think might be unique to here and the set of challenges that might be unique here, it's people are having trouble with it all over the place. So I think the interesting play, heck, I, I don't know, Jim, I, you'd have to Google this one and tell me, but I, I believe it, India and China are at a big spat right now over water resources. Uh, and so at a macro level, it's, it's taking place all over. And the interesting thing with our greenhouse is we use the recycled rainwater. So we we it the moment it hits us we're good and beyond that we use eighty percent less water than open field agriculture. Mm-hmm. So if you look at where we're going with water being this precious resource that that we all are knowing is going to be an issue, just given the way in, industrial, uh, you know, the way industries played out. So we we've got two things. It's going to be a challenge for everybody in any industry, really, frankly. But we think, hopefully, you know, with what we're doing, we're not only using eighty percent less water, but we're we're recite we're collecting our rainwater and then putting it back into the greenhouse. So, you know, we feel hopeful that yeah, it'll be a, it, it'll be a challenge for any of us. But uh, but I think we've got you know we've got a pretty good strategy that that uh, mm-hmm. when you talk about sustainable, is it going to work over the next twenty five years, thirty years? You know, and heck, Jim, it's funny. It's like when you talk about 20 years, like that's a long time or something. It's it's really not, (laughs) you know. So, but we, I mean, at least we're not talking quarterly. And I think, you know, when you talk about a lot of big industry, everybody's looking at, well, what's happened next quarter? What's happened two quarters from now? So, you know, we're taking the longer term play, like what could actually work for the next 20 to 30 years? And heck, that again, in and of itself, I guess, in that long. Uh, But, you know, we feel pretty confident that that uh, you know we got a, a pretty good strategy for the next twenty, thirty years. 
But we got to find sites and we got to build. <laughs> we got to put some steel and glass up. Yep, and uh, it sounds like you're going to do do right by the water, and that's uh, always a, a, a wonderful thing. Actually, uh, using the the rainwater and and all, we'd all be a little better off if we all had rain barrels around our houses and and watered our gardens with uh, rainwater and all. Sounds like, well, uh, it's a an amazing undertaking that uh, that you're doing. Uh, we're visiting with uh, Jonathan Webb, uh, CEO of App Harvest. How how does anybody find out more information about what you're doing? And sure, so if you if you type App Harvest into Google, A P P Harvest, all one word, you'll find plenty about us. But if you can go to AppHarvest.com or or on all the social media sites at App Harvest. So so we got we got plenty of online content. Now we just need a greenhouse. <laughs> so, so, and we're we're working on that. I've said, you know, it it uh, we could have rushed into this thing, and we could have really started construction and, and got ahead of ourselves. But again, you know, we want to make sure that that we've got a a really a viable structure that's going to be there for the long haul. So we we've hit delays, and it's been been a little challenging for us because I know we've gotten a lot of questions from various folks in the region. But but uh, I can tell you, we're not going anywhere. We're committed, and uh, but yeah, you can you can get online and, and certainly find a find a good piece of piece about us online Mm -hmm. well we had a a major problem with the uh, uh, penitentiary in martin county and i think that uh, does pop up and and certainly something you do have to solve in terms of trying to uh, do some construction and build such a and a big greenhouse (laughs) big yeah big big greenhouse yeah we don't want to win last thing we want is this greenhouse going off the side of a mountain so (laughs) do all we can to prevent that all right all right well thank you jonathan and uh evan and everybody else for uh, uh visiting and being a part of appalachian attitude today you are listening to the show with an appalachian attitude wmmt Making Connections is brought to you by WMMT Mountain Community Radio. Find out more at makingconnectionsnews.org.